Well, greetings and welcome, uh, Grace and Peace Family Online Campus. So great to be with you once again to uh, share the Word of God in just a moment. Before I do, I want to remind you, if you've jumped onto social media and you've just uh, jumped into this message uh, before the introduction that I gave at the beginning of our uh, service here, uh, I want to encourage you to go to graceandpeace.org to watch the remainder of this message. And the reason is, uh, if you're watching on social media, you don't have available to you uh, all of the action steps uh, 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 and the links to uh, follow through in those action steps. You don't have the downloadable notes. Uh, So all of the resources that we have that are a part of uh, getting the most out of this message. They're all found on graceandpeace.org. So we're so glad if you, you know, found us through YouTube or you found us through uh, Facebook. But I would encourage you now, if you can switch on over, uh, you'll be able to get the most out of this message uh, just as we get ready to share it. So before I do, also, I want to take a moment to pray uh, for all of the giving. Uh, that will be happening during the service, the giving that's happened uh, during this week and that will continue to happen through all of you that have just been so faithful uh, to giving to the Lord and giving to the vision that's here at Grace and Peace. It has a global scope to it. Uh, We have not only our uh, online presence here, and the presence of all the ministry that happens on the Toms River campus. But then we have all the ministries that we stand with and partner with in our state, in our nation, and around the world that are causing the body of Christ to be ministered to and causing the gospel uh, to be brought to those who don't yet know the Lord. Uh, So there's so much that happens through your giving. Every dollar that comes in uh, is doing so much to see Jesus lifted up in our world. And again, I just thank you for that. So let's pray. Let's ask God's blessing on our giving. Today, So, Lord, we thank you so much once again, Father, for the incredible privilege that we have to be partners with you, to see your kingdom come, to see your will be done in us and through us. And, Lord, through us in our finance, in our giving. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you give vision. And then it's through the faithfulness of your people uh, that the provision is made for that vision to be accomplished. And so we pray your blessing on every dollar, every cent that is sown here. And we pray your blessing on the giver. Thanks for meeting every need. And in all of this, Lord, we give you praise and glory. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, and uh, watching here uh, online, I want to invite you, if you have not yet been to our Tom's River campus uh, for an in-person service. I invite you to come and check out service. Service times in person are a little bit different than the ones that we offer online, but if you've not come and had a chance to fellowship and to be in our uh, live worship and and just in this great community of believers on campus, uh, I hope that you can join us sometime soon. Amen. Well, hey, we are continuing a series. We've been in a series called Known by His Name. And uh, once again, we're going to be looking at one of the uh, redemptive names of God that's revealed to us in the Old Testament that point us to God's nature, God's character, excuse me, and they ultimately point us to uh, all that belongs to us in Christ. And so the one we're looking at here today, we're in part eight, and this is the Lord, my provider, and the redemptive name is Jehovah Jireh. Now, uh, what we'll do this morning is we'll take a look at uh, when that name of God was first given and revealed uh, in the Old Testament, way back in Genesis. And then we'll talk about what does that mean for us as New Testament Christians, as New Testament believers. 
So really, really uh, incredible story when we look at the life of Abraham. And it's through the life of Abraham and uh, a really epic encounter with God that Abraham has where uh, he, he names this place of encounter with God and declares God Jehovah Jireh. Uh, this is the place of God's provision, and God is my provider. That's all, all that's laid out in what Abraham expresses. Um, so uh, I'm going to work backward a little bit, and then we'll get to the point in Genesis 22, uh, 14, where he says that. So let me just paint the picture a little bit. Many of us uh, might be very familiar with the story of Abraham. Some of us might not. And so as we look at God's plan of salvation revealed you know, uh, in the Old Testament, we see that God raises up uh, the patriarchs. And through the patriarchs, uh, he explains that he has this covenant plan where he is going to bless all of the nations of the earth <clears throat> through uh, one that's going to come. So even going back to the Garden of Eden and the fall of mankind and God pronouncing judgment, he says to the serpent, there is one that's coming. And he says to the devil, you're going to bruise his heel. Of course, we know that that's a, a shadow of what will happen on the cross. But God says to the serpent, but this one who's coming, he's going to crush your head. And that's talking not, not literally his physical head, talking about his headship, his dominion, what he has, uh, you, you know, in, in the world of sin and fallenness and, and uh, his kingdom of darkness, that that will be broken off of humanity through the one who's coming, the one who we know ultimately is Jesus who is going to die on the cross for our sin and rise from the dead in triumph. And so uh, God begins to unfold this plan by calling Abraham. And uh, he calls Abraham out of a, a pagan world, a pagan culture, and he calls him to go over to what becomes Israel, the land of Israel. But God calls him into covenant relationship with him. And God begins to show Abraham the promise that he has for him, the unfolding uh, of, of this incredible uh, covenant plan that, that God has for Abraham. And Abraham learns uh, to walk by faith. He learns to trust what God says, trust God's promises, and he begins to walk by faith and not by sight, not by what he is experiencing. And the word tells us that he's called a friend of God and that God is, is, is blessed by, uh, by his faith and by, by our faith. It says in the word, right, that it, without faith it's impossible to please him. And so we read in the Bible, I'm summarizing just chapters and chapters and chapters of Bible story that unfolds for us, you know, but Abraham begins to have a longing for a son that will be from his wife, Sarah, and from himself. God's talking about this promise of through Abraham's uh, generations, through Abraham's seed, this promised one who's going to come uh, is going to be fulfilled. And so uh, through much uh, um, life story and life happening and Abraham continuing to trust God, sometimes very imperfectly, uh, along comes Isaac. And God lets Abraham know, this son of yours, Isaac, this is the child of promise. And through him... Uh, th this promise that all the nations of the earth being blessed through Abraham, through Isaac, his son, uh, th this promise will be fulfilled. And so then that catches us up to Genesis 22. Not only is he the child of promise, but this is the, the longing of Abraham's heart. 
you know, to have this son, and he does. And now in this picture of this very, very important individual in God's redemptive plan, Abraham, right? Uh, God says to him, now I want you to go and I want you to take what's most important to you. I want you to take what I have promised to you and I want you to take it up on the altar and I want you to sacrifice it to me. I want you to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. I mean, just imagine there, there's, there's so much that must have been running through Abraham's head in this process. But Abraham was a man who was saying, Lord, I believe you. Lord, I trust you. And now Abraham's faith is tested. And that's actually, if you're following along in your note sheet, the first fill-in that I want you to understand and acknowledge. Abraham's faith gets tested. And um, when we look at the the word testing, the the Hebrew word, it's talking about testing as in testing the quality of. In other words, if you were to find gold and you were to perform like a, a, a test with chemicals on the gold to find out what kind of quality is that gold. That's the kind of test that's going on for Abraham here. Okay, Abraham, you say you trust me, but I'm putting you to the test. What what God was looking at was, would Abraham obey God's path even if it seemed to make no sense to him in the natural? And, And here's the thing, that in the natural, God told him the promise would come through Isaac. Right, so it literally tells us in the book of Hebrews, we have no account of God raising anybody from the dead um, you, you know, in, in this time period. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it's actually in Hebrews chapter 11, that Abraham reasoned that if this ultimately goes down where, Abraham, where Isaac is given a sacrifice on the altar, then God was going to raise him right up from the dead because God had promised through Isaac that, that the, the covenant is going to continue to unfold. So God was really dealing with two things in Abraham's life, and all of this does relate very much to God my provider, Jehovah my provider. God was dealing with two things in Abraham. Number one, do you trust me to walk by faith to see my promises unfold in your life, number one. And number two, uh, are you willing to take what's most precious to you and lay it down before me and trust that it's going to be okay and that you'll even be um, still blessed and prospered and fulfilled in that? And it's amazing because in this scenario, this is exactly what Abraham did. Abraham had faith that God was going to provide here, that something was going to have to happen um, in, in, in order for uh, a, a sacrifice to be uh, supplemented in there uh, for his son Isaac. And it literally, I mean, this is like, you know, dramatic moment like, like none other where Abraham is there, uh, they're at the base of the mountain and they tell the servant, uh, the boy and I will return. Isaac says, hey, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. He knows God's going to provide. God's going to do something here. And ultimately, right before this whole event is to happen, God says, Abraham, stop. All right, your faith now has been tested. The quality of your faith has been moved from what you hope it is, what you say it is, into experientially, here's what it is. You know, so a great lesson for us to glean from this, you know, again, this picture of our faith being tested. There will be times where God will tell us, take what is most precious to you and and lay it down before me. 
Maybe it's a calling. Maybe it's a passion. Uh, maybe it's a dream. You know, and the Lord will say, I want you to put that in my hands. I want you to lay that down. Uh, I have so many different instances in my life where, where I know the Lord has said to me, wow, that, that so has your heart. I want you to put it down. And sometimes he had me put those things down and he never wanted me to pick them back up. Other times he had me put them down and he did have me to pick it back up. But all of this is in the context of, Lord, you've got me. You reign in my life. You call the shots. You know the beginning from the end. You know what's best for me. So I'm going to obey what you call me to do. Even if it's hard, even if it's taking what's really dear to my heart and, and you know, uh, figuratively putting it on the altar and laying it down, uh, letting you consume it on the altar. And this is this incredible test that Abraham passed. And he, he was, he was uh, believing God was going to provide. And if God didn't, then, then God was going to raise Isaac from the dead because he knew God and he knew what God had promised. Man, I tell you, that, that's, you had to know God well to be able to pass that test, huh? So uh, ultimately then, this is all what happens and unfolds in Genesis 22. And then in, in verse 14, it says, So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord will provide. You know, so literally name the location. This is Jehovah Jireh. So such a powerful picture. So the name of God first used um, in Genesis 22 uh, it tells us two things here that we're going to look at today. Number one, that Abraham's faith is tested that we just looked at. But number two, that it's important for us to understand as New Testament believers, this is a foreshadow of Christ. This is an entire picture of the coming of Christ. God providing uh, the sacrifice. See, in the Old Testament, even before the law, and then when the law came, this picture was laid out that sin had to be punished, that sin required blood sacrifice, and there was an animal that was always used in that process, you know, uh, many times a lamb, you know, that was used in that process, and that there had to be a payment for sin. Now, let me just take a step back here. Some, if you're new to the things of God, you might be saying, well, well, I don't understand this. Like, help me understand why that had to be. Well, here it is, right? When we look at how God revealed his character and his nature to us, God reveals to us that he is perfectly loving, perfectly just, uh, and, and, and perfectly merciful, right? Um, he is also perfectly righteous and perfectly holy. So when we look at God's nature, uh, God is loving, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, but God is holiness, justice, and righteousness. And so when sin came into the human race, it was not possible in God's character and nature for him to justify, condone sin. Uh, it, it had to be judged, which is why God told you know, mankind in the garden, you know, don't step into sin. If you do, death will enter the human race. Uh, you will die. You will be broken. It, it will be a fall from grace. And yet in that moment of mankind's fall, God uh, makes provision for salvation. God makes provision to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. 
And this picture of Abraham with Isaac on the altar, you know, here Abraham is, you know, uh, about to um, make this sacrifice and God stops and steps in and says, no, I will provide. Because uh, in that last minute, there was a ram that was caught in like a thicket of, you know, bushes. Uh, so they were able to take that ram and use that as the sacrifice. It is a beautiful, powerful, powerful picture of God looking at humanity and saying, you can't uh, bring anything before me on my altar that will satisfy sin. You can't save yourself. You can't, in your own righteousness, save yourself. All of our righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. So God says, so what I will do is I will step in your place. I will be your sacrifice. Abraham uh, went through this whole picture of having to sacrifice his son, but God stopped it, you know, right beforehand because God is the provider. And then the picture we get in Christ is then God came and God did sacrifice his son because that was the only way that we could be bought back to God, ransomed back to God. And we see it in John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 19 says, with the precious blood of Christ, uh, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was the perfect uh, solution. He was the perfect one who could uh, pay the price for our sin and do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So this is sum, summed up really um, concisely here in Romans six twenty three: For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we look at Jehovah Jireh in Genesis 22, when we see this unfolded here, it's a picture of trusting God fully. It's a picture of uh, a faith being walked out. It's a picture of not having anything that has so captured the love of our heart that it's above God that we're not willing to lay down. And then it's also a picture of salvation, of what God did for us on the cross in sending Jesus to die for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So when we talk about God being our provider, you, you know, we, we understand where God first reveals this. It's in an epic, eternal, gigantic, cosmic picture of the eternity, of the souls of mankind and God ultimately providing for us so that we could be with him, so that our sin could be forgiven, so that we could be delivered from the wages of sin. But what God provides for us moves far beyond that. Uh, in the New Testament, it, it moves into God caring about every aspect of our lives. Um, and, and so I want us to understand that picture. I, wa I want to tell you now, the big takeaway for us out of this message is I can completely trust God to surrender everything over to him. And I can live my life in a way where he is the starting place of everywhere that I look for provision, everywhere that I look for my needs to be met, it's, it's gonna start in God. That is what God wants us to do. That's what God wants us to see. And that's the picture that's laid out. That's what's revealed in God's name, Jehovah Jireh. So let's look now uh, at three truths that we wanna take away for us as New Testament believers. 
Okay, so number one is this. And again, this is a fill-in if you're following in your notes. The Lord sees and cares about your need. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor uh, I've heard people share their struggles. I can't tell you how many times I've walked along and I have said, it feels like God's not around. So I've prayed with people who have said, it feels like God's left. It feels like God's not near. It feels like God doesn't care. You know, and, and like I said, I can, I can relate. I think we've all had times where in the natural we say, Lord, you're still here, right? And, and Jehovah Jireh for the New Testament believer means the Lord sees and cares about your needs. Let's look at, it at Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Jesus is, is sharing such a, a beautiful picture for us of God's caring. He says this, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You, you know, I, I heard a, a story, I don't know if it's anecdotal, uh, I don't know if it's true, you know, just, just uh, but, it, but it's a great story. I've heard uh, the story of a, of a sweet older woman, a sweet elderly woman, who would go out on her front porch each morning, and she would shout out, praise the Lord! And she would do this every single morning. And then, uh, you, you know, as time went on, somebody moved in new next door, and the guy was an atheist. And so he started to get really, really irritated by, you know, hearing this lady, you know, constantly saying, praise the Lord. And, and so finally he would step out and he would say, there is no God, you know, and, and, and she would just kind of ignore him. And, you know, she'd go out and say, praise the Lord. And he would st- lean out his door and say, there is no God, you know, and this would go back and forth. And, and then there was one day where she went out on the porch and she said, praise the Lord. And she said, oh God, I'm hungry and I have no food. And I have no money uh, to, to buy any food. Lord, please provide. Amen. And so the, the atheist thought, I'll fix her. And he went to the grocery store and he picked up two big bags of groceries and he put them on her front step, knocked on the door, and then, and then went away to, to watch what would happen. And she opened the door and she saw the grocery bags and she shouted, praise the Lord, you have provided. And the guy jumped out and said, ha, see, you thought God provided. It was me who brought you the groceries. And with that, the woman threw her hands in the air and praised God. She said, Lord, I thank you. You provided the groceries and you made the devil pay for it. Oh, I love that. Isn't that such a great story? 
you know, seeing God as our provider and recognizing that there is no one way that God's going to use to meet our need. I hope that guy realized how foolish he was and that he was an instrument of God's provision in the life of this woman. But I love how she just kind of went to the Lord. I have need. I won't worry. I won't fret. I'll ask God and God took care of the need. All right, um, a second thing uh, regarding, you know, living as New Testament believers in light of God being Jehovah Jireh in our lives is that we need to ask in faith with the right motives, with the right motives. And so we read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, we are told to ask for our needs. You know, so um, some, it tells us in the Word, sometimes we have not because we ask not, Right. So uh, that particular spot where we're to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, right? That's, that's in what we call the Lord's Prayer, you know? And we see that that prayer doesn't start with, okay, God, I come before you and here's everything I need and here's everything I want. And oh, by the way, I think you're okay and pretty cool and now I'm gonna go do my thing, right? That's not it. It starts with, Father in heaven, you're holy, hallowed, I worship you. God, let it be your kingdom that comes. Your will be done on the earth. So we we start with the priority. Just like we read in this last verse, seek first the kingdom of God and he'll make sure that he takes care of all of our needs. But we do have to ask. So we seek God first, we live righteously, but we do have to ask and we have to ask with the right motives. And with that, let's take a look at uh, Mark 11, 24. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And so I want to point out not only that we have to ask, but we have to ask in faith, right? Believing. Um, and then, then let's talk now about motives, James 4, 2 to 4. It says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive. Here it is, because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So we see here, God wants to provide. He sees, he cares, he wants us to ask, he wants us to believe, but he wants to make sure that our motives aren't covetousness, aren't self-centeredness, anything, you know, along those lines. Now, the third point that we want to look at here today is that God has called us to live generously. So if we're going to understand just some foundational principles about God being Jehovah Jireh, we know that he cares, we know that we need to ask with the right motives, and that we have to model and live a life of generosity. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and then we see in, uh, in light of that, right, Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches, or according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So we need to understand, God tells us in his word, there is a principle of sowing and reaping. And so we can't live in stinginess. We can't live in uh, fear of lack. 
but God expects us to live a life of generosity. And if we'll do that and ask and seek with the right motives, uh, and if we will recognize and walk in faith knowing he cares and he sees, then we'll see Jehovah Jireh, uh, that, that nature, that part of God's character, manifest in our lives. So I want to give us a couple of action steps and then we'll close in prayer. Uh, The first one is, man, if we haven't done it yet, we have to have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. We have to be in relationship with God in order for him to be Jehovah Jireh in our lives, in order for him to be our provider. Uh, so if, you, if you've not yet done that, again, part of our links and our action steps here uh, link you to a prayer where I'll lead you out in a prayer of salvation and then give you just some tips and some things that you can do, um, give you opportunity to connect with us uh, so that you can get your walk with God really, really moving forward and growing. Uh, a second action step here uh, is, are there any areas of need that you've not surrendered to Jehovah Jireh. In other words, are there areas of need in your life that you've been trying to figure that need out and work it out on your own? You know, I can't tell you how many times I try to solve it myself, you know, and then all of a sudden it'll dawn on me, why haven't you started with going to your Heavenly Father? Why haven't you started with going to Jehovah Jireh? So if there's anything that's an area of need that you've not surrendered over to Him, then go ahead and do that. Uh, I would also encourage you uh, along these lines about surrendering. Are there any areas of your life that God wants you to put on the altar? Is there anything in your life that's overgrown? You know, going back to Abraham and Isaac. You know, anything in your life that you you would say, ah, that would be really tough to let go of. Is there anything that God might be speaking to your heart saying, hey, I want you to surrender this over to me? Remember years, years earlier in my life, uh, this was aviation. I actually, I wanted to fly planes. I wanted that to be my career. And uh, I got saved right during the period of time where I was pursuing all of that. And uh, as I really started growing with God and, and um, just, just being so hungry for God, I started to discern that that wasn't the path that he had for me. But I wanted to do that so bad that, that it turned into this, this period. It was really a period of months. Uh, many, many months where I would wrestle back and forth with God. I would actually back off of pursuing God because I had this area that just, I didn't want to let go of it and I wanted to pursue it and I wanted God to bless it, but uh, I I didn't want to let go of it. And, And finally, as I grew more with the Lord, I started understanding what was happening. That as I backed away from God, I wanted to do this more. As I got closer to God, I wanted to do this less. And, and I, I was really understanding that he was calling me to a vocational ministry. And it got to a point where I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to put that down and I want you to leave it down until I tell you to pick it back up. And so I literally stopped. I was taking flying lessons and I was studying all this stuff. And, and I got to the point where I put it all down. And, you, you know, I haven't done the math to crunch how long it was, but it was a bunch of years. I want to say it was something like 10 years that I put that down and I didn't touch it. And I remember one day out of the blue, I was not longing for aviation. I was not anything. And I remember one day out of the blue, the, I heard God speak to my heart. And now you can pick that back up. So there are some times where there will be things we put down and God says, um, you're not to take that back up, like I said at the beginning of the message. And there's other times that he will. I picked it back up, you know, in, in the form of getting a private pilot license and, you know, doing aviation on that front. But uh, I wouldn't trade my calling, my vocational calling to ministry 
with anything else in the world. So I'm so glad that what was hard to surrender, I finally managed to surrender over to him. He does actually know what's best for us, and he does actually know what he's talking about. Amen? All right, looking down at our action steps again, so just bringing that in, is there anything that you need to surrender to him? Amen. Number three is, how can you meet a need this week in the life of someone else? So that would be looking at the idea of practicing generosity, practicing sowing and reaping. Is there a need that comes up before you where you can practice sowing? That can be in a variety of ways. That, that could be in finance, but doesn't in any way have to be. That could be giving of your time, uh, giving of some of your talents, uh, connecting somebody with a resource, giving somebody um, a, a hand with something. What are some ways this next week that maybe as we listen for God's voice, he could lead us into uh, helping meet a need somewhere else? Um, And then how can you increase the principle of sowing and reaping in your life? Uh, What are some ways that that you could see more sowing in your life? And then the last one, uh, try to, on a regular basis, give us a verse to memorize that relates to our sermon so, you know, it can just stick with us. And I'd go back to what we closed with in Philippians 4.19. You you know, uh, and and I would say read it in your favorite translation. uh, In my translation here, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So I pray uh, one of those action steps uh, speaks to your heart on how to walk this message out. Maybe there's something else that God spoke to your heart uh, that, that you would say, yes, Lord, and walk out. But let's just give it to him as we close in prayer. So, Father, we thank you today so much that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, the Lord who will provide. And, Lord, it's our heart today to declare, to affirm, to confess that you are our starting place. You are our covering. You are our source of all provision. Lord, we make the decision today, our job isn't our provision, our bank account isn't our provision, Um, any other source that we would look at that, that you are above all of that and that we will first go to you as our provider. And Lord, uh, any action steps that we feel you prompting to our heart today, uh, Lord, we pray for the grace by your spirit to walk those things out. Because we don't want to just hear a message today. We want to grow in walking out your word, grow in living out your word. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for having your way in our lives. Thanks for providing all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church family. Have a great week, a victorious week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.